namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasa Buddhang Dhammang Sangam Namasami The topic tonight is death. This is something our, our culture doesn't like to talk about. It's on the fringes, it's hidden. I remember as a kid, if there was somebody in the class whose parent worked as an undertaker, they were shunned. Nobody wanted to go to their house to play. <laughs> Because what's in the basement? <laughs> and I often wondered what that person might feel and how mean we can be as kids. We can be so very exclusive and judgmental and hurtful. But in the Dhamma, in this field of practice, the topic of death is foremost. It's something that we need to more and more explore and use to help us wake up and understand what is true. Let's find out what is true. Some things we cannot answer, but what we can know we should investigate. So the impermanence of the body is very important to be investigated to study more and more. That impermanence cannot be studied properly for our spiritual growth and development without investigating our own experience intuitively. It's not an intellectual practice. You can't do it by thinking. We can contemplate. Contemplation is not the same as just conceptualizing and thinking. We have to go to the body and see what it feels like, what it informs us of. Contemplation of the body and the contemplation of the death of the body, these are important stepping stones for mindfulness to develop. So to begin with, can we reflect on the body itself by contemplating the anatomy? How many of you have studied the body? Yes, wonderful. In many of the Buddhist chanting books, there's a section which is the recollection of the 32 parts. So I'll just read them to you because I want you to listen carefully and as I say each word, try to visualize, try to visualize that body part 
the contemplation begins like this. This which is my body, from the soles of the feet up, and down from the crown of the head, is a sealed bag of skin, filled with unattractive things. Let's repeat that together. This which is my body, from the soles of the feet up, and down from the crown of the head, is a sealed bag of skin, filled with unattractive things. Now, just contemplate for a moment a sealed bag of skin. Is that attractive? And what's in it is even less attractive. But we can become so obsessed with skin, just skin. Skin is just a thin layer. And one of the reasons why lust arises in the mind for people and is even promoted, our society is promoting skin. Posters, commercials, products, advertisements, there's skin all over the place. Skin in many forms. There's various parts of where skin arises and skin disappears. And this is so tantalizing for people and becomes such an obsession for people. But if we contemplate skin as a sealed bag, this is not so attractive, but it's very useful. And it's so true. Skin is so breakable, it's thin, it's only a, a mask of what's inside, but we concoct a whole story around it. Then we believe that story and are led along by its tantalization to our detriment. Because then appearances are so deceiving, they're so utterly misleading. Then when you marry that sealed bag of skin, <laughs> all hell breaks loose. Because that's not what we're uniting with. That's such a deception. So we contemplate our own sealed bag of skin, and then once we can contemplate this properly, mindfully and with wisdom, when we meet other people, we can also meet them at a different level, not just sealed bags of skin colliding together. What is that? This is a way to really wake up to the truth of impermanence. That's why it's such a valuable practice of satipatthana, kāyanupasana, satipatthana, the contemplation of the body, the form of the body. We do this day in, day out by breathing, by contemplating the breath, the breath is a form, it's just a, a form It is like a small body within a body. We contemplate the breath, but then we expand the breath to encompass the whole body. And this is a wonderful way of expanding that particular kāyanupasana, satipatthana, the foundation of mindfulness, or establishing mindfulness by contemplating this sealed bag of skin. What is in it? Kesa, hair of the head. Or what is on it? 
hair of the head, hair of the body, loma, naka, nails, nails, danta, teeth, just contemplate teeth, how much time we spend getting the right smile, dentists are getting rich because people want a beautiful smile, even in their 60s and 70s, give me that old-fashioned smile. This is not what nature produces. So sometimes it looks very glaring to meet an old person with a pearly white smile. Never mind the lipstick where there are no more lips. This is what we're compelled into doing when we don't examine carefully the messages of our social conventions. And then, tacho, skin. We talked about the sealed bag of skin. Mangsam, flesh. Now the skin is a very thin little layer, but it is glued to a layer of flesh. Naharu, sinews. Ati, bones. These are earth element components of the anatomy. Ati minjang, bone marrow. That is the inner core of the bone. Not something we usually think about. Vakam, kidneys. Hadayam, heart. Yakanam, liver. When you fall in love, you can try to imagine the, the, the being, the body. What are we falling in love with? And then think of the, just as a contemplation, to, to take it to a spiritual domain, rather than just attraction. Attraction to the body, the body of a person. Kilomakam, membranes. Pihakam, spleen. Papasam, lungs. Antam, bowels. Antagunam, entrails. We don't often see entrails. I remember when we kept a couple of stray cats, and one of them, really sweet white cat named Meow, one day we found his entrails in the forest. He'd been eaten by a fisher that picked out his stomach and dragged him along the earth, and it was very graphic to see the entrails of the creature, and then to reflect, I too, in this body, there are entrails. Have you ever been to an autopsy? Yeah. I didn't go to an autopsy, but I helped a mortician embalm a body of a nun that died. And I volunteered for the job because I wanted to really do this contemplation more graphically. And the first time we embalmed the body, so I became the assistant embalmer. Actually, uh, uh, when we took her body out of the hospital, I had to sign as the mortician. This was in England. It was interesting. They 
They just let us take her body from the hospital morgue. We wrapped it in a sheet and put it in the monastery vehicle and nervously drove through the streets of London, hoping no one would stop us. <laughs> we got to the monastery. We did the whole funeral on our own, digging the grave, those of us who were allowed to dig. And the monks made, there were some good carpenters, they made the coffin. And then we placed her body in and carried the coffin out to the gravesite and did the whole funeral. It was wonderful. But the embalming, that was the most educational part. And he did want to put lipstick on her, and I said, no need. He said, traditional embalmer. Because he thought that the relatives would want to see her like she looked in real life. But the monks and nuns just wanted to view her as, she, as the body was. And so by the time we buried her, she was already quite decayed. So the body droops and implodes. The eyes fall in. It becomes stiff and not so beautiful. Not so beautiful. So the embalmer tries to make it look beautiful, but after a certain point, there is no point. And we were peaceful with that. Entrails. Udariyam, undigested food. Kadisam, excrement. Pitam, bile. Sima, phlegm. Simham, pubo, pus. Lohitam, blood. Sado, sweat. Medo, fat. I just want to point out, it's different than Meda. So my name is Meda, but it's spelled differently. Meda means wisdom, and Medo without an H means fat. So I'm not joyful fat. <laughs> but I thought it was good contemplation. May I be fat with wisdom. So, uh, but anyway, uh, asu, tears. We're all familiar with blood and tears and sweat. But vasa, grease, body grease, kelo, spittle. Spittle from spitting. Singanika, mucus. Lasika, oil of the joints. Mutam, urine. Matalogam, tea. The brain. This then, which is my body, from the soles of the feet up and down from the crown of the head, is a sealed bag of skin filled with unattractive things. So this is how we should contemplate the body every day. It's very powerful to do this as a group, this whole contemplation. We do this in the monastery. But it's not very popular. Now that we've reviewed the body parts, it's good to review the pains and drawbacks of the body. And to contemplate that satipatthana of the body body, many kinds of disease arise, such as disease of, of the eyes, hearing disease, nose disease, tongue disease, body disease, head disease, ear disease, 
mouth disease, teeth disease, cough, asthma, catarrh, fever, aging, stomach ache, fainting, dysentery, grip, cholera, leprosy, boils, ringworm, tuberculosis, epilepsy, skin diseases, itch, scab, psoriasis, scabies, jaundice, diabetes, hemorrhoids, fistulas, ulcers, diseases arising from bile, diseases arising from phlegm, diseases arising from the wind property, breathing, etc. Diseases arising from combinations of bodily humors. Diseases arising from changes in the weather. Diseases arising from uneven care of the body. Diseases arising from attacks. Diseases that result from karma, karmic diseases. Cold and diseases arising from cold, from heat, from hunger, from thirst, diseases of defecation, diseases of urination. Those are the many diseases and form places of pain, forms of pain that this body can experience. Have any of you experienced any of these diseases? <laughs> yes. <laughs> None of us are free from disease. It's interesting that the Buddha enumerated all these diseases over two and a half millennia ago. He was not a trained doctor, but he was fully awakened and had the power with his mind to know all this because of the training of the mind in wisdom in the understanding of the mental sphere and the bodily sphere fully. Contemplation of the body is one of the ways that we can develop liberating insight from our attachment to this body. And if ever there is a very strong greed or lust arising for the body, for the way the body should look, or how other bodies look, and one wants to free oneself of those energies, these contemplations are extremely valuable. Because these kinds of things can sometimes obsess the mind and misdirect us, lead us into a, a domain that does not further this practice of liberating the mind from the world, from our attachment to the world the things of the world. Now, there are nine cemetery contemplations which are very, very valuable. So we've contemplated the parts of the body, the 32 parts of the body, and we've contemplated the many kinds of disease that these parts of the body are subjected to. 
And through these diseases, the body it may start in one place, but just like a great tree can become ill and little by little lose its leaves, lose its branches, be weakened and fall to the ground. So even a very strong and healthy person through any of these diseases, compounded, untreated, chronic, developing, not cared for, and even cared for through aging, the body will wither away and disappear. So our concern with the well-being of the body, over-concern with the well-being of the body, can be muted and diminished in a healthy way. Not that it should be neglected, but not that it should be our obsession. And there is no death. This is the delusion that we fall into. So the first cemetery, there are nine cemetery contemplations, and this is very much recommended for Satipatthana practice, for establishing strong mindfulness, a mindfulness that is well-founded and can be kept continuous and diligent, present, awake, really paying attention and even gaining states of deep concentration by using these cemetery contemplations. Remembering them and focusing properly with Yonisomanisikara, wise reflection. We can develop a mind that is incredibly resilient, enduring, wise, deep, and powerful enough to gain insight in to the deathless, that which is beyond death. So this is very important for us to remember. These death contemplations, are these contemplations on the impermanence of the body and its fragility, its precariousness, help us to turn inward more and more to realize where our true home is. It's not by taking refuge in the bodies there's no security in that. There's no security in that. So the first contemplation is a body that has been dead for one, two or three days. And for the first three days, it looks pretty much like the person we knew looked, except not moving, a little dry, a little bit concave, a little withered. second contemplation is based on, like in Tibet, the bodies are often thrown, cut into pieces and thrown to the crows. And so here we contemplate a body, it could be an animal, but if you want to contemplate your own body being cut into pieces and thrown to the animals to devour. So the second contemplation is where the devouring of the body by various kinds of animals is occurring. Now, have you ever seen an animal eat another animal? If you live on a farm, you would or walk in the forest, you, you might see that. We didn't see our cat being eaten, but we saw the body parts. The third contemplation is a skeleton. Think of a 
skeleton that's still has some flesh and bloody bits hanging from it. And if you have ever seen a body burnt or cremated in India at the Ganges, you can sometimes see a skeleton that has not been completely burnt and bits of flesh hanging from it that have they didn't have enough firewood to finish. It's quite a, a grueling sight. Sometimes during the cremation, because of the grease and the oil of the joints, while the body is burning, there'll be explosions, body parts flying this way and that. You could get hit by a flying body part. And relatives are standing there and wailing. But actually, this is a very good contemplation, even for the relatives, even for young kids to see. But in our society, we're so protected from that, but that's not a protection. That's a delusion to hide this, keep it hidden. So we, we never see the actual cremation. It's all underground. We just collect the dust at the end. So, a blood-smeared skeleton without flesh, but held together by tendons. That's the fourth contemplation. And then there's the skeleton that is held together a little bit by the tendons, but it has no flesh and is not smeared with blood anymore. That's the fifth contemplation. And then the sixth contemplation, bones that are loose, they're not hanging like a skeleton together, loose and scattered on the ground. And uh, at the Hermitage we're constantly finding bones in the ground. As the earth, you know, when in winter, as the ground freezes, it gives birth to stone. Stones come right up. So constantly clearing stones. Occasionally, old pieces of farm equipment come popping up through the soil. And we remove them. Sometimes we have to get someone to help us because we're not allowed to dig. Now we have too many characters. They dig up the, the old bones and the metal that come protruding out of the soil in the spring. And you never know what you're going to find. Mostly we think they're cow bones. We have a former veterinarian in our midst who can recognize, oh yeah, that's hip bone, thigh bone, whatever. So that was the sixth contemplation. Then there are bones that are white in color, like a conch. This is when it gets interesting. And when we practice mindfulness more and more, perfecting it, the the way you sharpen, like if you sharpen a piece of wood with a knife, you have a lot of ability to make a very long and very wonderful point. And uh, sharpening that, that wood, so sharpening our mindfulness in the same way, mindfulness can penetrate so much into the object that even something like the bone of an animal, when the mind becomes so steady, so calm, and we see only the whiteness, and we see through and through into the polish 
and the whiteness of the bone, it, it starts to look like a shell. And it takes on a certain beauty. And this beauty can feed our meditation practice. It can feed our samadhi, the mind, by looking at that bone and seeing it for what it is and contemplating death. There's a depth of peace that can arise in the heart, studying the bone, the very bone of a being, an animal, a human. So that's bones that are white, like a conch. That's the seventh contemplation. Then there are bones that are more than a year old, heaped together, heaped together. It's like a little mound. Have no suggestion of all of any kind of being. They could be stones from the earth, but they're bones of a being heaped together. Where there's no person. These are excellent reflections on emptiness. Seeing the bones, seeing the skeleton in its various forms, seeing the bones developing a purity, a clarity, and this wonderful casino object to empower our meditation practice. And then bones in a heap together. And then the ninth contemplation is that the bones disintegrate and they become like dust. Just dust. This is the ninth contemplation. So from dust to dust, this is what we turn into. This is what this form turns into. And this is a power to give us a sense of real detachment when we touch the dust and feel it. If you've ever picked up the ashes of someone you've been close to, I did with my parents. I was able to take their ashes out of the cremation box and deposit them in the sea, in the ocean. And the act of feeling the dust of their body, very, it's kind of sticky. It doesn't come off your hands so easily. Very white, grayish-white, quite, has quite a density. It's different than house dust. It's quite a, like a dust with a history. You put that in the ocean. And a very beautiful way of returning to the earth, to the sea to the elements. I remember when we put my father's ashes into the ocean, the boat was surrounded by dolphins swimming around the boat, helping me. And it was the most amazing experience for us. It's like the dolphins have taken this dust. The dolphins have received and that being is taken away. And we were thrilled by that experience. So, what the Buddha said, Indeed, O monks, this bringing to an end the body contemplation, after he points out the nine cemetery contemplations, this mindfulness which lays hold of the nine cemetery contemplations is the truth of suffering. The previous craving which originates that mindfulness, is the truth of the origin of suffering. The non-occurrence of both that mindfulness 
And the craving is the truth of the cessation of that suffering. The non-occurrence of craving. As we see those bones turning to dust little by little and falling into the earth or being tossed into the ocean to fall to the floor of the ocean even. There is the non-occurrence, the potential non-occurrence of craving. And we no longer see that object. And that's the truth of the cessation. And this is what mindfulness leads to. This is the experience of the cessation of suffering. Endeavoring in this way, by means of the Four Noble Truths, we arrive at peace. So, the Buddha calls this a portal of deliverance for Arachana, for the ultimate freedom. Now, this may be difficult for us to fully digest, but it, this is important for us to know that these practices are available. We can begin with contemplating the Four Noble Truths and then moving from there to the contemplation of the body as a way of perfecting our mindfulness. Because the perfection of mindfulness in this way and the, the contemplation of death and the decay of the body in this way can lead us to deeper and deeper states of stillness. Right mindfulness leading to right samadhi, leading to right release, or right knowledge, the full knowledge, knowledge of awakening. And then we start from where we are, we're still alive. We have these body parts in a sealed bag of skin. But we know that this too is subject to old age, sickness and death. And to contemplate our own death is to help us give up attachment to the body, give up attachment to our loved ones, and give up, ultimately give up attachment to existence, this desire to be, to exist. So at night, tonight when you lie down to sleep, you can contemplate that you're subject to die, and it could happen at any moment. You don't have to be in your 50s, 60s, or 70s, or more, to be subject to death. Young people also die. They can die very suddenly. Anaphylactic shock. For example, car accident. Cancer. Contagious diseases. Kidney. Walking in the Himalayas with sneakers in the middle of winter. I almost died there. Just because of wrong judgment to be so close to death. But these experiences can help us to put in the causes and conditions for letting go of the defilements, the hindrances, and developing the enlightenment factors. So next time you see a skeleton, look harder. In the monastery in Thailand, where Ajahn Chah was the abbot, there's the skeleton that was 
offered by one of his disciples. Uh, he offered his body to him, just hang it up as a skeleton, but it's hanging in the monastery for the monks to contemplate. So you could donate your skeleton for the Chapman Mill Retreat Center. The next time you attend a funeral, look hard at the body and just know that body, this is like this body, is subject to old age, sickness, death. And therefore that should be for us an incentive not to tarry, not to delay, not to put this work on the back burner, not to neglect it, not to be negligent, but to work hard to consider the benefits of this practice, and consider the benefits for ourselves, the benefits for other beings, because we overcome greed, hatred, and delusion by contemplating the body, the anatomy of the body, the elements, contemplating the elements of the body. And then there are the contemplations of death. And these are these three are the contemplation of the body, the kind of pasna satipatthana. And then there is the contemplation of feelings, pleasant, painful, and neutral feelings. And then contemplation of the mind and the contemplation of dhammas. The phenomena arising in the mind, passing, coming, arising, passing away, arising, and passing away. Helping us to let go. We really have this project to let go is a big one. And we need all the supports we get. So I hope that in some small way these contemplations might be taken up by some of you and used for your own liberation in this very life. Those are my thoughts for tonight. Hare Krishna, 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 Hare